Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, hey, this is Hank Alexander, and we are now uh, streaming live on Ustream. Uh, tonight, I've got, once again with me, I've got Sean Donahue uh, from the Revolution Recap. How are you doing tonight, Sean? Great. How are you, Hank? Doing fantastic. Thanks. Um, wish we were here under better circumstances. And uh, we have a special guest with us tonight, uh, Mr. Brian O'Connell, who has written for so many different things, I can't even remember how many <laughs> he's written for. So, uh, Brian, refresh my memory. It was Soccer New England. It was uh, something it was, else. Yeah, it was uh, New England Soccer News. Oh, and England, uh, Soccer News. For, for a while, I had a, had a blog called House of Soccer that I just has, has been dormant, unfortunately. But, um, but hopefully, we'll get that refired up really soon. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, fellas, we're here tonight to to mourn the passing of yet another revolution <laughs> season, where uh, we've had so much promise just ripped from our uh, from our lives with yet um, another. I mean, amazingly, another trip to the playoffs, and I think uh, you know it was very shaky whether or not we were even going to get there. Um, when it came down to the wire, and you know, Sean and I talked about it a while back, Brian, and you know, everything just went the Rev's way to mm. get us into the playoffs. And even that first performance in the playoffs, we did we did fairly well, you know, to come back from a goal down, um, and then end up actually winning that game and uh, going into Chicago with a with the lead. And you know, the the game. Let's just go ahead and, and get beat up on the game from last week where uh, the Revs went to Chicago, tried to uh, basically hold on uh, for extra time, but it didn't really work out. Let's uh, let's start with Sean. Sean, what were your thoughts of last week's game in Chicago? Well, it, it didn't start out good, but I thought, um, of course, with Chicago getting the goal in the first half to you know, take the lead in that game and, take, and tie the series, uh, but I thought the Revs started working better um, later in the match. Things were looking better. I thought when Mauricio Castro came on, I actually thought um, really a lot of the problems from Chicago were coming down that their right flank, the Revs' left flank, and I thought when Castro came on, that kind of slowed them down a bit. He was doing a great job holding possession and helping the Revs out. You know, the Revs had some decent chances. Uh, Jankowskis had that header that you know, went off the crossbar. Um, I thought they were playing pretty well. Uh, when to, to me, I thought the refereeing um, was questionable. I thought, it seemed to me like calls for Chicago you know, were not calls for the Revs. You know, there's been some, a lot of questionable refereeing this year. I think the Revs, uh, in a lot of games, have been on the the lucky side of it and have gotten some good calls. But you know, I, I think it's fair to say in this game, uh, the ref was doing them no favors. You know, to me, it looked like every time the Revs would commit a foul, the, you know, Alex Proust, who you know was the referee of the year, but how much is that saying based on last year's referee being suspended <laughs> for uh, you know, all this season? But um, to me, every time the Revs committed a foul, it looked like Alex Proust would be running over there, you know, screaming at the Rev player, you know, don't do this again, or you know, pulling out the yellow card. You know, certainly in some cases it was deserved. You know, other occasions, other occasions maybe you question a little bit. Uh, but I thought it was a matter of time before one of these Revs players was get, got so frustrated with how the game was going. You know, that someone was going to get a red card. You know, we didn't see that, but we did see you know Castro and his reaction to that uh, time when he was kind of shoved into the boards there uh, and get it, kind of got his wrist basically slit on their board and had to get stitches and you know left the game. And then Wells Thompson had to come in. I thought that was really actually a turning point in the game too because you know once Castro came out, Wells Thompson clearly not the same player as Castro, um, and could not hold up the ball the way Castro was doing. Castro was doing a great job keeping possession. You know, I was noticing there'd be three defenders on him. He'd still find a way to you know, pass it to a Revs player and keep possession. I didn't see him lose the ball once. So I, I thought he was doing a great job. When Wells Thompson came on, um, it, it just completely changed the game. And that's when I think Chicago just kind of started to take over the game again. And uh, to, to me, when, when that happened, it was just inevitable. You know, when was Chicago's next goal going to be? At, at the same time, though, I thought Chicago's winning goal, there were a couple of fouls you could have called on that. Uh, about 30 seconds earlier, Charlie Joseph was you know, up in the attacking third, or close to the attacking third. He gets tripped up by a guy that's a uh, Chicago player that's on the ground. You know, to me, that was a foul. That didn't get called. And then, of course, you know, Ose was shielding the ball. You know, questionable whether or not that was a foul, but if you call the foul earlier, it doesn't even matter. Um, you, you can complain about that. At the same time, I don't think the Reds, you know, at that point, we're going to win that game anyways. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you know, I don't yeah. know about you, but I felt I felt like that the first, um, you know, half hour or so, the Revs actually showed well. I mean, like Sean said, we get, we saw that great uh, header from Jankowskis, which, you know, wow, that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, where was that all season? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you look at you look at their first half hour of play, 
up until that goal scored, and then it just seemed like, hey, ooh, hey, you know what? Let's. Um, I I don't know if they really. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I don't know if they. Uh, they just kind of. I don't really think they retreated into their shell, so to speak. But I really feel that all of a sudden that little switch went on in their head. And said, "Wow, you know, we better not give up another goal, or otherwise we're not going to win." You know, and yeah. and they kind of got. A little tentative in their play. What what do you think of that? I I, I think the word is definitely tentative. I mean, you know, they uh, they brought in Cashman. I mean, you know, Sean and I wa- you know saw the game and we were we were watching it over at CBS scene. No plug right there, but um, yeah. <laughs> but we were watching the game and and we both noticed how much of an influence you know Castro had on the game. I mean, he if there was if there was a, a you know a player that was kind of like you know snap the revs out of their you know out of their you know insecurities in the midfield. It was it was him. It was it was it was you know a, a guy that can hold the ball and it was a guy that kind of can control the pace of the game and you know he was honestly I, I i agree with sean completely that he was he was a guy that could have like you know if he stays in the field if he stays in the field for the rest of the game you know you know maybe we're talking about you know a home game versus real Salt lake but i mean you know it, it's tough because you know i think you know the the fire kind of sees sees you know they got that first goal from Thorington and you know they they kind of you know they they had the momentum and it was tough to kind of kind of stop momentum when when you're on the road especially in front of you know and especially at Toyota Park where they just they just have a tremendous home field advantage you know so it was going to take you know like like we said like Jankowski's you know nailed the crossbar and you know who who would have known you know who would have known what had happened had he you know had that been you know six six inches lower so you know we'll never know but you know, I, I agree. They were the Revs kind of did get tentative, and you know, unfortunately, that's kind of been it's kind of been a trademark of like a lot of Revs playoff games. Like when they go into the you know when they find themselves down, you know, they they kind of you know with the exception of you know two years ago where they were where they came back to New England, you know, down 0-2 after the first leg versus Chicago. You know, they really get tentative. You know, when when they're either tied or they go down. So you know, I don't know. You know. We'll never know what would have happened if Castro had stayed on the game, stayed in the game, and not gotten hurt. But um, you know, they had that late rush, very, very late. You know, last two or three minutes, and then going yeah. into extra time, they, you know, they 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 put together a few good chances. But you know, I, it's something it I mentioned to Sean. Yeah, it was just a little too late. And you know, what are you going to do when you know your strikers aren't scoring? I mean, you know, it's just if you don't have anybody up top that can just you know put a little bit of fear into you know the Chicago backline, you're not going to get very far in the playoffs. I mean, you know that that's you know just knowing that you're missing pieces. Just you're you're kind of playing with one one hand tied behind your back or one foot tied behind your back if you want to make the soccer analogy. But um. But yeah, it was it was it was a tough game. I mean, they to get to to see where the, how far they got with with the players they had, I think was uh, was pretty impressive. Yeah, and really, you know, kind of a testament to uh, to Steve Nichol. I know my buddy over in uh, in Denmark who follows the Revs, um, you know, from a uh, more you know avid than a just your casual fan. He's a he's a Leeds United uh, supporter down to his you know every. Uh, fiber in his being, but he also followed the Revs, um, and his the bane of his existence is Steve Nichol, and I I don't know why. I think it has something to do back in the day when he was um, when Steve was still playing for Liverpool, and my and my uh, my buddy was a Leeds fan, and there must have been something that Steve Nichol did or something to upset the Leeds supporters. But in the end run is um, every chance he gets, he is bashing on Steve Nichol and his and his uh, management style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are times when I don't agree with what he does and, and some of his substitutions I've found to be questionable or lack of substitutions, I should say, uh, as well. But, um, you know, t- to your point, how they got this far with the players that they have is insane. I mean, you look at they had they had very limited production from um, their their strikers. Uh, you know, granted, I think Dubé had you know had a career year in terms of Dubé Kelly Dubé. Um, he had eight goals, but and you know three of them came in one game, and and uh, you'd like to see that a little bit more spread out over the the course of the season. You know, give us a goal when we really need one, not when. Are already two nil, you know. When <laughs> not that I'm complaining too much, man. I love seeing the hat trick as much as the next guy, and it's it's fun. But you know, you look at um, other strikers out there that you know had pretty good seasons too, and um, they were very streaky as well. You look at Robbie Finley and, and Connor Casey. Um, 
who, you know, despite scoring 16 goals, I think he scored six of them in two games. And so, uh, you know, over the rest of the course of the season, he did, you know, did fairly well. Um, still, I, uh, I look at um, the lack of the attacking presence and really the only fear, to use your word, uh, Brian, that the Revs seem to put in it, in at the attacking presence is when Shalry Joseph was playing up top. And uh, you kind of wonder if maybe, you know, you change the lineup a little bit, pull Kelly Dubay and maybe play a 4-5-1 or something like that with Jankowskis up top and, you know, you you, uh, you put Castro in the middle or even, uh, you know, Shalry in the middle uh, of, of a five-man midfield. Um and add those extra players in the middle there, and then use the speed on the wings with Nyasi and and Mansali. But um, you know, we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, we'll we'll see who comes back next year. I think uh, you know, there's going to definitely be some changes there. There's a lot of people who are at the end of contract, or maybe their contracts won't be renewed. Um, one interesting point: uh, our favorite uh, reserve. All-star Wells Thompson. Um, he's he uh, he opened up a Twitter account, I guess, very recently, which has been hacked, and uh, there's there's lots of spam coming through it. And uh, you know, hey, learn the learn the secret to white teeth from the mom who invented the uh, shortcut, and um, the other spam thing about uh, oh, jobless uh, jobless mom makes eight thousand dollars a month part time from home. So um, essentially, it's a celebrity hank now because I think well, yeah. Britney Spears got her Twitter account hacked today too. So I mean, you know, Britney Spears, Will Thompson, you know, hey. Don't, don't go don't go spreading rumors about Britney exactly. uh, but you never know what's going to happen there it's um but the thing is is that he did say in his Twitter feed that he has packed up his truck and has gone back to north carolina and i'm uh I'm not sure if it's just a temporary move if he does this every year, but I believe I'm not sure what his contract status is, but if I do my math correctly if he's if he was awarded a three year contract back in um 2007 when he started, you know, you got 2007, 2008, 2009, he's done. Mm. Um, and I don't remember ever hearing that he was extended or um, or along those lines. But, you know, the revs, they are so tight-lipped about their roster moves. Um, I don't know one way or the other. But I'm wondering if this is the end of Wells Thompson's career in New England. You know, as interesting, it's certainly still speculation at this point because we don't know the extent of that. But... Um, I wouldn't be overly surprised. I don't think he, to be honest, I don't think he's shown huge signs of improvement since he's been here. I think this year is actually, if anything, a kind of a regression from what we've seen from the past. Not that he's ever been really a star, but I, I think he's, for the time he's been here, he should have become a more, more disciplined player by now, and I haven't seen that from him. Uh, we still see the stupid fouls, the stupid yellow cards, and giving possession away in bad areas, which he, he did against Chicago um, as well. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him go. Uh, but it, it's still a speculation at this point, certainly. Yeah, Brian, yeah, the only, thoughts? yeah, the only the only reason why I think he would stay is because Steve Nichol loves him. Like there there have been many times where, you know, I mean, I, I think Sean Sean said it good. Sean said it well that you know he almost regressed this year. I mean, we're talking about a guy like as a rookie who started in an 07 MLS Cup. I mean, you know, over right. I mean on the right, and I mean that's just. You know that that was the year that they shifted over. Um, you know Steve Rawls. They shifted over Steve Ralston over to the middle, and you know kind of he took over any dormant spot. And then you know Wells Thompson kind of kind of found a home on the right. And for a while, like he was actually looking towards the end of the '07 season that he was looking like he was the um, solution over on the right. And you know it's it's unfortunate because you know it, to to an extent it looks like he has regressed a little bit. Um, you know I don't know I don't know what the situation is specifically, um, but you know it just you know I remember being absolutely wowed during training camp for what it's worth. I mean <laughs> you have training camp stars every year, but you know I remember the first time I saw him over at uh, over at the you know over at the um, practice facility over in Foxborough. Um, and I was just, you know, he played, he played on the left, he played on the right, and he did everything just, just so well. He was so fluid, and you know, just, and then, you know, 07, he kind of developed into his own, and you know, 08, you know, wasn't that great, but you know, and then this year, you just, I don't know, you know, I think, I think Steve, I think Steve Nichol likes. 
the fact that he still has, you know, for what it's worth, potential. Um, you know that he showed him something maybe last year or the year before, but you know I don't I don't I don't know with a guy like Wells Thompson, you know unless there's unless there's like nobody in the draft this year if they can't find any they can't find any kind of replacements for for some of these guys I I I can't see him coming back unless you know Steve Steve Nichol absolutely wants him there. You know and I I gotta agree with Brian on this too I think certainly there's you know lots of reason to believe that Nichol does like this guy from what we've seen from him. Uh, admittedly this year I haven't been to as much practices and. As I have in the past. However, you know, last year I went to a lot of practices, went to reserve games, which is about all their home reserve games. Went to the, the Open Cup games, and you know, here I was seeing uh, Wells Thompson, Joe Germanis, and to me, I couldn't see what Wells Thompson had that Joe Germanis didn't. I thought Germanis, I mean, albeit it, again wasn't a star, but you know, played smarter than Wells Thompson. I saw him score a great goal in the Open Cup, and to, to me, I thought this was a guy that probably deserved more playing time than Wells Thompson. But Wells Thompson kept getting the playing time. Now, albeit I don't see him play every time, every day. But, you know, to me, just that one player was showing more in you know, the times I saw him than Wells Thompson has. And I was surprised we didn't see him more. But I think that, again, would lead to the, the theory that Wells Thompson certainly is a, one of Nichols' favorite players for whatever reason. You know, Sean, I think, I think the reason why uh, Joe Germanese didn't get as much playing time is because Joe Germanese went to the wrong college. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. I think that's what it is. <laughs> uh, where, where did he go again? I forget. Duke. He went to Duke. Uh, but yeah, Darius Barnes went to Duke. Yeah. True. Well, you know, Steve Nichol likes those HC. guys from Wake. You know, it's, yeah, it's, the, know. Uh, it's the wrong college. <laughs> if you went to Wake, well, he'd still be on the team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you got, uh, Andy Dorman as well, who mm. tried to fill that role. Um, and mm. Wells, um, I mean, Andy, Andy struggled in that role as well. I mean, you're, you're basically looking at the vacancy left by Clint Dempsey. Right, and uh, who's going to be that dynamic midfielder that could play up the right a little bit and, and, and really attack the goal? But what we've seen, um, you know, and Wells was guilty of doing this too. Is just these guys just go go to the wings, fire the ball in the middle. Go to the wings, fire the ball in the middle. Um, and the few times that that they actually um, make the run inside. They actually, both Nyasi and Wells Thompson look semi-dangerous. I mean, Wells Thompson had a beautiful goal. He was actually nominated for one of the goals of the year um, this season. It was, you know, his second goal in three years or whatever it's been. Um, definitely not enough for a starter in this league if you're going to be playing attacking midfield. Uh, and then Nyasi, um, you know, he makes that move in the middle every once in a while. He actually does look very, very dangerous, and he's gotten a couple of really great shots off. Um, and you know a couple of them have gone in over the last couple of years, which is nice. But um, you don't really see that on a consistent basis, and I think that comes down to um, the the way that this team is is kind of been directed over the last, you know, especially when you have a striker like Taylor Twelman, uh, who is you know not really a target player, but he's the kind of guy that can find that open space and and uh, make space for himself. As we saw uh, a couple years ago against the Chicago Fire when he put in that beautiful bicycle kick, um, you know he had two defenders on him and somehow he managed to get a foot on that and and knock it behind him. Um, and I think when it when it all comes down to it, um, there's there's really I think two positions that that need to be filled. Is one is we're, we're going to need that dynamic midfielder again. Uh, we're going to need somebody to um, Fill the gap left by Clint Dempsey. We haven't had it for three years, uh, and Steve Ralston is great in the middle. He's he's a fantastic um, distributor of the ball, uh, and you know we uh, love him on set pieces as well. You know, and he's a true leader on the field, and you you got to keep him on the roster if he's healthy. But we need to develop somebody seriously as a backup for Steve Ralston as well as for Taylor Twoman, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Um, seeing what the Revs do this off season, I heaven help us if if they you know waste another draft. Uh, I mean, this last season we shored up our defense, which we needed to do. Um, Darius Barnes was a was a third round pick, and he's you know here he was almost the rookie of the year. You know, Kevin Alston, uh, you know, first round pick, generation Adidas player. Uh, again, was in, in contention there, and there's some talk that actually they split the vote 
um, between the two of them, which is why uh, neither of them were a finalist. Uh, and I don't know if that's what, what kind of weight that actually has or if that's a, you know, even a true statement. But um, in the end is, uh, you know, the one thing that I really wanted them to address last season, which they didn't, is striker and midfielder. And, uh, you know, now we're in a position where um, we, we're short on those two things again. And, you know, there's almost a carbon copy this season of last season. You think about it, you know, because we went in, we limped into the playoffs, um, and we got shut down uh, by the Chicago Fire, <laughs> mm. and uh, and here we are this year. We kind of, you know, we showed a little bit better in the first game, but you know, didn't have the wheels to go the full distance. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm hopeful that there will be some significant changes made in the roster. Let's I, I think we all are, but like like you said, going into this last off season, you know. It still was the same situation. They needed another forward. I don't think. I mean, going into the season, uh, you you can argue that you know they wouldn't have predicted that Twelman was going to be out the entire year, certainly. But you know, even so, uh, did you want Twelman and Dubé to really be your only you know, forwards with any really real experience? I mean, you had Mansali too, but I think it was pretty clear that you know, Ford wasn't his best position. So you were going into the season really with those two guys, having traded away Adam Crispin, being your two guys with experience. You know, I don't think Dubé. I mean, Dubé is a good guy to have on the roster. I think he's. You know, not a bad option, you know, off the bench. But I don't think he wants to, you want him to be your starting forward over the entire season. So even if you're expecting Tom to be healthy the entire season, which would seem to be, you know, quite the risk going into the year, I still think you'd want another forward to partner with Tom. so I think going into this off season, you can't expect Tom you know, to be healthy for 30 games, you know, if at all. I mean, you hope he is. You can't expect that. I think they really need to get two new forwards going into this year, unless somehow you think Jankowskis is going to be back. Um, and that he's going to return to um, you know better form because he's been really inconsistent all year. We've seen some flashes from him, but overall he's been invisible in a lot of games. And I, I don't really, I certainly don't think you know even if he does um, with a preseason under his belt um, return to better form, I don't think he's going to be capable of going you know through every game of a 30 game season either. Right. Yeah. Because age here becomes a factor for Jankowskis. Um, then, but you know you look at uh, his play over the last. You know, a couple of games, or whatever. Uh, actually, over the course of the time he's been here, you know, for a guy that claims to be really good with his head and, um, you know, likes to play the ball in the air, he's getting manhandled by the defense in uh, in MLS. And you you wonder if maybe he's just not wasn't ready for the physicality of MLS. Um, and you know, we're very physical league. Anybody will tell you that. Um, you know, and this guy has been. I didn't, did he come straight from Porto? No, I think he came from someplace in in in, uh, in Russia. I'm not sure though. I, I don't remember. Um, but the point is, is that uh, he obviously was less than, in my opinion, less than productive, um, at least to the level that we we wanted or needed him to be. Um, and yeah. Yeah, Hank. I mean, I, I would almost, I would almost venture to say that he was, he was a stopgap almost. I mean, at least in my opinion, he was a, he was a guy that really, you know, he was, you know, they, they realized that they probably weren't getting Taylor back, and they said, how do we fix this to where we can kind of cut our losses for the rest of the year? And I think he's one of those guys. I don't think he's a long-term solution. I think he's a guy who will be, who, who served out, you know, the rest of his prorated contract. And in all honesty, I don't think he'll be back next year. I think he's a guy that the Rev said, you know what, we need to we need to get a guy who you know maybe a guy who can who you know tall guy like like Ankowskis and a guy who can who's good in the air. Unfortunately, he wasn't that great in the air this year, you know. Um, but I honestly I, I view him more as a stopgap in between you know getting the Revs through the rest of the season and then you know saying okay where do we start it? I mean where do we go again with you know evaluating Taylor's health. Um, who can we get in the draft? Who who can we sign in the off season? I I, I honestly don't see Yankowskis as a guy that the Revs have plans for next year. And, and to me too, um, from Jankowskis, seeing him out on the field and seeing him, you know, putting up with all this physicality and not getting calls from the rest, he seems like a guy that's pretty frustrated, you know, in his time here. And it wouldn't be yeah. it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's speculation, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him not want to come back here. Anyways, I mean, he was in semi-retirement and. I don't know if he's enjoying himself here, so I don't know what his. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If he himself didn't want to come back. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, you know, you look at um, the uh, – he is still one of the top ten finalists for MLS Goal of the Year. Um, <laughs> and it was a beautiful, beautiful goal against Kansas City, uh, which ended up being a 4-2 loss for the Revolution. Um, you know, we just need need more of that uh, from somebody. And, uh, Absolutely. I don't know if we can make a trade or whatever we've got in terms of allocation money or, uh, or what our spot is on the allocation table. Um, that I might have to do some some serious research on that to see where we stand. I remember just thinking last year that you know we had all these picks, and I thought we could maybe package some of them up and, and maybe move up in the draft. Um, but that just doesn't happen in MLS like it does in, in the NFL. Um, where you you know you see people saying oh I'll trade you two second rounders for this whatever and the other thing, no you know revolution trade for draft picks and for um, allocation money and then or allocation table and then they end up you know using the draft picks on players that they know will never see the field. Um, well, they did draft. They they did move it to draft up Wells Thompson Hank. I gotta <laughs> I gotta point that out. Oh come on. <laughs> oh yes, and look how well that worked out for exactly. Them. So I mean, um, maybe that's the reason why they don't do it anymore. <laughs> but anyway, we've got um, we've got the rest of uh, you know 2009 and, and part of 2010 to to think about uh, where the revs are going to go, um, and. Let's uh, let's think about real fast. Let's talk about um, the future of of Matt Reese. And uh, just because I I feel that really over the last month or so since he you know had that injury and I played through that injury, um, and and I was reading today that you know he had a career year. He had a um, his first year that he ever had a. Um, uh, Goals against average, which was down underneath one, um, or a, a save percentage that was, and a save percentage that was outstanding. And uh, I, just the last month of play from him, I just felt that he was something was off, and you know that he, you know maybe it was the he, he was nervous with the communication factor. You know, obviously there was some um, breakdown of communication. Specifically with Emmanuel Ose, um, as we saw in that game against Columbus a few, about a month ago or so, and then uh, you know you look at the breakdowns over the last couple of weeks, where you know Freddie go back to the Seattle game where Freddie Montero chips that ball in. You know I think you know a year ago even two years ago even Matt Reese stops that ball. Yeah, I think is I think maybe he's starting to slow up a little bit, and it, it pains me to say this because he's one of my favorite players, and uh, I, I'm just wondering if um, you know maybe it's time to uh, you know either bring in Brad Knighton or you know maybe uh, make a change in, in that position for somebody else. Well, you know I I agree with what you're saying as far as Reese's drop in performance over the last month or so of the season. Certainly, it's undeniable. To me, though, the mistakes look more like mental mistakes, which is, you know, surprising for a guy getting up in age. I don't. I think he's still, you know, in, in shape to do everything he needs to do. Um, you know, maybe that injury took a little bit of a toll on him, but it, even after that, he was still playing well. Just towards the end of the season, you know, and again, speculation. But when he had, a, you know, another kid towards the end of the season, you know, maybe maybe that was keeping him up at night. Maybe that was affecting him. You never know. But I, I think he's still, you know got the reflexes and everything and it's just some mental mistakes which are really uncharacteristic of him and surprising to see towards the end of the yeah, season it's funny that you, mentioned, that you mentioned those mental mistakes because you look back at uh, the game last week's game against Chicago where Blanco scored that goal and you know he had come out early to challenge uh, Nayarco and which was good and uh, you know he forced Nayarco back and then you know Blanco's got the ball and you know there are defenders everywhere um, but you know Reese Rather than, you know, taking a stand um, in front of um, Blanco, he actually, uh, you know, kind of jumped out at Blanco a little bit. And Blanco was just waiting for him to move, just sitting there waiting for him to make his move so he knew where to hit it. And as soon as Matt Reese made that move towards Blanco, that's when they scored. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, Hank, and I, I, I got to agree with you. I mean, I think that was kind of a I won't, I won't call it a defining moment, but I think that was kind of, you know, one of those moments where, you know, you look at Reese and it just looks like, you know, at least during this the series, you know, and down the stretch, he just they just didn't seem to trust his defenders as well as much as he had in the past. I mean, you know, you hinted at the 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 you know communication issues he had with uh, with Osei, but you know, I think as as a whole, I think he they, it got down to the point where it was you know it was him it was you know you know just him him on an island and just saying you know I got to do all, I got to do all this myself. So you know, and I think that 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 the Blanco goal was a perfect example of just you know him trying to do too much. Like like Brian was saying too with the communication, I mean we talk about the changes between this year and last year. I mean mm. the one major loss was Michael Parkhurst, and I think oh, yeah. you know as good as Darius Barnes has been, you know as good at times as Emmanuel Ose has been, I, I don't think either of them is the is the same guy as Michael Parkhurst. I don't think either of them can organize the defense the way Parkhurst did. You know as a smarter player as Parkhurst, being in those right positions. I mean we talk about Barnes replacing Parkhurst. I don't think anyone you know from a draft in a rookie year is going to have the impact that Parker's had his year. I really don't think he's a player that you can really replace in MLS. You know, he brought something to the table that these guys don't. And also with that three-man back line, I think you had um, a difference as well. You had heaps in there, uh, again, a veteran presence, and these guys are all going to be staying back. Where now you have Alston that, you know, sometimes is going to go forward, he's not going to get back, people have to move and cover for him. Um, heaps of time, that was the case too, less so on the end of the year. And I think it was really a different dynamic between the defense this year. You know, as, as good as they were, um, not allowing that many goals. And, you know, as you mentioned, Reese's goals against average is the best. Um, however, he still had to make the most saves. He still faced the most shots of any keeper in the league. Um, so I, I think it was just a different dynamic. Um, we saw it more towards the end of the year than the beginning of the year, which is surprising, um, these mistakes. But uh, certainly the defense is different this year than it was last year without Parkhurst. And with a rookie there, you know, really with three new guys that it's their first year with the team. And certainly we saw the communication problems with Osei. And, you know, he's really one of the veteran guys out there, one of the guys that actually has pro experience. And if he's having trouble communicating with Reese and with the rest of the back line, you know, it's not a good situation. No, not at all. And so you got to wonder what's, what's going to um, – well, what do you think? Do you think Osei is here next season? Um, I've heard I, – I don't remember where I read this now that there's a – an option to keep him next season because I mean, we heard that he's on loan. Um, we have, you know, I don't have, I can't confirm that, but that's the what I have heard that he's on loan. But at the same time, it sounds like they have an option for him for next year. So I don't know how that works out. Um, I think he's, as, as I mentioned before, I think he's a great one-on-one defender. I think he has trouble communicating with the rest of his back line, um, and I, he makes those mistakes, like we said, you know, passing the ball across the. You know, the goal box is not a good idea. <laughs> uh, even as we saw in this game, trying to shield the ball over the end line, he gets easily pushed off the ball. You know, you, you can't do that. you got to be stronger in that situation. Um, I don't know who they, they, they bring in another rookie to replace him. Is that the answer? You know, Badia, you know, people thought he was going to be starting this year. He's not injured. I think he's gone, so I don't think we are going to be looking at him as the answer. Certainly, I'd be shocked if he came back, especially at the salary that he's making. Um, so... I think unless you have a better option, you keep Osei because Osei has shown really well in some of these games, and I think he's done a good job and you know prevented some goals and like really dangerous one-on-one situations. Um, maybe with another preseason under his belt, or I don't I don't even remember when he joined the Reds. I think it might have been later in the preseason, but maybe if he, uh, with he, the full he preseason, he came in actually. He was late uh, yeah. joining the team. He he came in at um, second or third game. Yeah, uh, I, he, I, he I feel like if the season. I feel like certainly a preseason, this was what we talked about with Medea last year, too, is you know, if you get a preseason under his belt, help him out, and then, of course, he was injured, so he couldn't. Um, but I, th- I think with Osei, that could certainly help. And I would like to see him here next year, you know, at least as you know, depth in the back line. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe he's your fifth guy if you, can't, if you do find someone to replace him. Right, right. And I think you, know, you brought up an interesting point because um, you look at Barnes and, and uh, some of the success that, you know, Barnes and Alston have had this season in terms of, you know, being rookies, um, making it to the playoffs, uh, and Barnes obviously with his um, uh, his notoriety primarily being for the only player that played every minute of every game this season, and uh, you know Alston with his speed down the flank, um, both had outstanding rookie years, outstanding rookie years for various reasons. The upshot is um, 
you know, are they are they ready to play in a three-man back line? I don't think so. Uh, I think because well, the thing you said, Rainley, is that Alston will take off down the down the wing, and then you've got two guys back. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, we've got to have the fourth defender there. Uh, and if it's not going to be Badia, and, you know, there's nothing out there that tells me that Padilla is going to be the guy, um, you know, based on the fact that you know he played 90 minutes in an Open Cup match, um, and you know theoretically was available for the rest of the season and, and never saw the bench. Um, and you can look at that and you say, okay, so there's obviously something there. Nickel doesn't like him, doesn't like the way he works, or doesn't like his work ethic or whatever. And uh, so Badia is out. I think you have to say that. Um, who else do you have that can play center back? Jay Heaps uh, has has done it serviceably. You can move Amici Igwe to left back um, or Chris Tierney to left back. I don't think that's your, your solution. Um, you look at – well, I think uh, Igwe is at the end of his contract as well. Yeah, I think I think Igwe, along with Badia, are pretty safe bets to be gone. I mean, I, I saw potential in Igwe. In the games that he played at left back, you know, I thought he did a good job. I thought his speed was certainly an asset there, which is another thing I want to bring up, too, is Jay Heaps, he had a solid season. He played well at the beginning, but I think he was getting exposed towards the end of the year, especially in the Chicago series. In the first game, I know we were talking about it, you know, Heaps uh, was, was getting beat for speed on the right side. He was making some you know, committing and getting beat, and we certainly saw it again in the second leg. Um, with Heaps on the left side, you know, he doesn't have the speed to keep up with these fastest wingers anymore, and he is getting beat sometimes. You know, I hate to say it, but you know, you almost want a guy with Igwe's speed back there to be defending these guys. You have Austin on the right, and you know, he was doing a great job. Whenever Blanco went over there, he was doing a good job shutting him down. But Blanco was having a you know, an easier time against Heaps than the rest of I think Chicago's attackers were too. And I think that's why you know they were focusing their attack on that right flank or down the Revs' left flank. And you know, in addition to Mansali being there, they were having a lot more luck against Jay Heaps as far as beating a man, you know, one-on-one than they were against Kevin Austin. So I think that's another spot you have to look at as well. And I think Igwe showed a lot of potential for the Revs. I think when he played center back, you know, he played awful. And I think that, you know, tainted a lot of people's views of him. But when we've seen him at left back being in the open cup, being in, you know, the end of the season when they've needed him, I think he's shown well. And unfortunately, you know, as you mentioned, uh, as far as we're aware, his contract is up as a generation Adidas player is making, you know, a significant amount of money, but it's not counting against the salary cap. Um, when that contract's up, it's hard to see, you know, him staying with the Revs, you know, unless or he's going to accept, MLS. unless he's going to accept, the, you know, a highly reduced salary, which is again is hard to see. But I, I do think he's got a lot of potential. I think he could have helped his team. Yep, yep. I, I, I'm not sure what his um, his uh, his status is. As far, I know he's American, um, but I think he may even have dual citizenship because um, I believe his father. Uh, had dual citizenship, uh, but I'm not sure. Anyway, my point being is that he may be able to go overseas and play. Uh, I think there will be a couple of teams over in, um, you know, maybe you know, Norway, Sweden, or whatever. We'll pick, we'll pick him up and maybe he can play um, in, in, uh, in Belgium, Belgium or, or France. France um, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I don't see. I don't see him fitting in the EPL. Just because, just because he's, he's he just doesn't have that experience, experience yet. yet. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a, a lower league, lower league uh, in, uh, in England, England, England get more from it. But I don't think I don't think sticking around. You mentioned might have his performance at center back might have tainted some people's views of him. Well, it definitely tainted one person's views, and that person was Steve Nichol, and he definitely made a you know made a mental note in his in his you know mind that. This is not a guy that he can rely on in a clutch situation, which is unfortunate because, you know, I, and I've said it before, he he uh, he performed better at left back than Chris Tierney did, in my opinion, and you know, no question, I think. Um, Chris is a uh, is another guy you kind of have to wonder about. Uh, does does he have a real future with his team? He's been a kind of a, a spot fill-in player, not your your first choice off the bench. Um, you know, he's had a couple of starts here and there when they've been really uh, strapped, uh, and he's done all right. Um, he definitely is um, 
not the fastest person in MLS. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and uh, I I really hope he uh, you know he can find a spot somewhere. Um, I don't know if it's going to be with a revolution. I, yeah. I just I, you know you look at um, you know if Castro comes back and he's healthy and can get a full season on under him you know in this league. You know we we think that you know he's he and Mansali will handle the left hand side. At least that's what I think. Um, you know and so what do you do with a a as um, you know a young unexperienced or inexperienced, I should say, um, you know, kind of a left-footed set kick, spe- uh, free kick specialist. Uh, you know, do you do you keep a spot on your bench? I mean, he's not David Beckham. You do you, you don't keep a, a, a you keep a spot open on your on your roster for a guy like David Beckham. You, you know, uh, Chris Tierney. Um, as much, you know, he's a wealthy boy. He lives down the road. And, and, uh, <laughs> I just. I don't want him to, to that I think bad of you. I don't, Chris. I think you're an excellent, excellent soccer player. You're a far better soccer player than than a lot of other people out there. But you know, I just wonder if you've got a spot on the revs. Um, and you know, I'd love to see you get more playing time somewhere else. If if it worked out that way, I'd love to see you get more playing time on the Revolution. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but you you look at the other options that they had uh, at at the defense. Like we said, we had um, you know, Jay Heaps could maybe play center back. I don't think he was great at center back. I thought he was serviceable there. There were a couple of plays there where, um, you know, he kind of was uh, left flat-footed, so to speak. Um, and then there's other uh, the other options they have at defense. Uh, Chris Albright, who I don't think is coming back um, either. Uh, considering the play of, of Kevin Alston. And if you have a guy like um, Alston and, um, you know, Alston gets injured or whatever, uh, you can always put uh, somebody like Steve Ralston in it right back. You know, it's a veteran, smart veteran who can, um, you know, fill that role for a short period of time. And, uh, you know, then you've got um, other people that can move up into the midfield Assuming that the revolution go pick up those people in the off season, yeah. So I mean, you look at the core group here um, at, at on their roster. Uh, you're going to keep Shawry Joseph. You're going to keep Taylor Twelman. You're going to keep Steve Ralston. You're going to keep Jay Heaps. Um, there's one more. No, Jeff Laronowitz is the key yeah, here because this know. contract is up. And yeah, to me, to me, I'd be surprised if he's back because there. I know I've mentioned this before, but there. There's no conceivable way in my mind that the Revs have not offered him. You know, he's been starting for three or four years now. There's no at minimum I, I, salary. I, I, I can't imagine that the Revs have not offered him a you know a, a raise along with a contract extension. And obviously, if they have, he hasn't accepted it. So uh, to me, I I think that I mean, and if they haven't, you know, shame on them for that because that would be insane. But right. I, I would think if that at some point he's holding out. And trying to make more money, either going over to Europe to test those waters, you know, maybe he doesn't, and maybe he's using that as like a bargaining chip here and wants to make more money. But you know, we don't know. But uh, to me, I I don't think he's going to be back next year. I think um, I know Twalman Taylor Twalman at the end of one of the the last home games said we really need to make sure that Steve Rawson and uh, Jeff Reynolds are back next year. So uh, they want him. I know the players want him back, and certainly certainly the team really could use him, but. Uh, I, I would be a little bit surprised, to be honest, if he is back next year, based on you know what we know. Right. Right, and I uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that um, you know if I was Jeff, and and I've been making a name for myself as one of the harder working uh, you know defensive midfielders in this league, uh, and you know in a country that is just so deep at <laughs> at uh, you know midfield. You know, you look at all the people that have played for uh, midfield uh, for the United States men's national team. Um, Jeff Lorenowitz's name never comes up just because there's so much depth there. There's so much depth there, and uh, we've got um, he's he's got an opportunity now where he can probably go uh, play overseas, start making a name for himself over there, play with some maybe a higher level of of uh, you know, 
player around him, maybe. Who knows? It depends on what league he ends up going to. Um, but he can definitely make more money no matter where he goes. And that's got to be a factor for him. He's been living on, you know, peanuts, literally. I mean, shells, peanut shells, not even the whole peanut. (laughs) They've just been, uh, you know, rock-bottom salary for the last three years. And and that's just not right. I mean, even before, uh, he was a developmental player, so he was making even less. He wasn't even yeah. he wasn't even a senior roster guy. He was a developmental guy, and uh, I think he was making seventeen thousand dollars a year two years ago. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of the mo. I mean, Hank, it's kind of the, the mo of like the Revs. I mean, they 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 milk these guys for you know as, for as little as possible. You know, getting the maximum reward, minimum investment, and you know, as soon as the contract's over, it's like you know, thanks thanks for for playing with us. And, you know, go get your money somewhere somewhere else. I mean, right. you know, they they you know they they did it with Andy Dorman. You know, to an extent. I mean, not not so much to an extent with Clint Dempsey because we all know that he was going elsewhere. But um, you know, they they seem to get these guys. They they bring them up. You know, they say you know here's your three years we're going to pay you you know twelve thousand you know seventeen thousand thirty thousand and you know if you if you shine you're great go get your money elsewhere we're not going to give it to you and but and i think that's kind of always been the nickel approach is that you draft like that you get three years out of guy and then after those three years are over and you know if they if they service you well great you know you know you got you got yourself a bargain but if they don't you you, you cut ties like a guy like willie sims like a guy that you know I mean, granted he was a generation indeed player but you know He's kind of the opposite of a of a Jeff Lorano. It's a guy that you know came in with a little bit more fanfare than than Jeff, and you know he's you know you get guys like Jeff, and you know they just you know they 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 give him the three years, they give him the minimum salary, and then when it's come time to pay them, they say we don't have a check for you. So, and then well, I mean, they'll just yeah. And there are the notable exceptions, guys like Twaman, who the GPM yeah. the franchise, and Shari Joseph. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I want to say I, I feel like it can't be nickel. Who is making this decision? I and mean, I think his hands must be tied. If that's the case. Cause I'm sure he wouldn't want to see these guys go, and he would be certainly thinks they deserve the money. I would, I would believe. You know, it's got to be somebody else in the organization, or you know, Kraft himself, that you know, just doesn't want to put that much investment in a team that's really not making that much money. Or, you know, we don't really know what the situation is, but you know, we can assume based on attendance, based on what we're seeing, that you know, they're certainly not a highly profitable team. And I think you know, we heard a few years ago that you know Los Angeles became the first team. Yeah, are one of the first teams to go in the black, and still the rest of the league still wasn't. So, you know, it's it's a tough situation. And but I I got you have to believe that it's not nickel, you know, that's making that decision. Certainly. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you, uh, Sean. I think that it's definitely a bit higher up. Um, and you look at uh, you hear the stories about uh, when Joe Cummings was here and. Um, Joe was the was the kind of the, the player personnel guy, technical director guy, um, and then Zenga came in to take over, and uh, he said that Zenga made it absolutely clear that he was going to be the one picking the roster, not uh, Joe Cummings, and, and Joe left. And uh, you look at that, and then we went through the whole coaching carousel um, that we that we went through for a few years there before they finally you know settled on Steve Nickel. And Steve was basically the MLS, or I should say MLS, not the MLS, but MLS's uh, kind of version of Bill Belichick. You know, you get it done with what you got, and you know he made it to, you know, he's made it to more playoffs than any other coach in MLS. You know, Bruce yeah. Arena included, um, yeah. and he's, uh, he, you know, he, he has this kind of magic touch for getting him there. Um, on a shoestring budget, you know, and so that's been working for the Revs to a degree. It's just not getting them over the hump. I mean, I think our best year was probably 2006 when, um, you know, our first matchup against the Houston Dynamo in the in the Cup final, where you know, went 118 minutes or whatever it was uh, before anybody scored a goal, and then 70 seconds later. Um, we're all tied up again, but uh, the the upshot being is that um, from that point on, just haven't really had the horses to get the revs to the the next level because you know you lost Clint Dempsey, the Andy Dorman experiment didn't work, the Wells Thompson experiment hasn't worked. Um, you uh, you've, you've got an aging veteran uh, captain and Steve Ralston who. 
you know, still fills a, a very important role, better than a lot of other players ever will. But let's be honest. I mean, the guy's 35 years old. Yeah, how many how many more seasons are you gonna get out of him? I mean, that's that's really the question. A guy like him and Jay Heaps, I mean, how 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 long how much longer can and, you ride these guys? And that's kind of where I was going with the whole core yeah. of the team thing. I mean, you, with Taylor Twelman now, um, you know, this year he'll be technically he'll be thirty years old. I mean, granted he was born on on leap year day, so he's really you know seven and a half. Yeah, but <laughs> he's uh, he's. Uh, he's going to be 30 this year. So the the real core of this team, you've got five or six players, um, you know, not including Jeff Lorenowitz. You got Heaps, you've got Twelman, you've got um, Ralston, and you've got uh, Shari Joseph, all over 30 years old. Uh, yeah. And I think there's another guy there too. And I, you know, if, if you keep Jankowskis, he's well over 30. Um, and but I wouldn't call him one of the core players either. Mm. Uh, so, and and I really don't think Jeff Lorenowitz is coming back. So you you basically have some huge huge concerns now, where you've got some aging players, uh, and nobody really is coming up behind them. And and there's a limit. Obviously, there's a limitation to the league because the a there's the salary cap, and b there's the reduced roster size. Um, but you know the Revs are going to have to start making some changes somewhere in this roster to start really. Prepping down the road, maybe that's the maybe Stefano Sengue is the answer. <laughs> maybe this kid from Cameroon is is the guy who's going to take the revolution to the promised land uh, in in three years when when Twelman finally decides to retire or something, or he's forced to retire due to injury. Um, and that and and that's the thing that really bugs me. And uh, you know we've kind of been going on and on about about this is that um, the the serious lack of depth at the striker position um, just is indicative of the lack of foresight that this team uh, administration has, you know, uh, has shown. I mean, there's really been no planning for the future in terms of, um, you know, goal production, uh, who's going to be that scoring genius, who's going to be their go-to guy, who's even going to come off the bench. I mean, it's been, um, it was a, a failed experiment with Kenny Mansali in a way, you know, because they wanted him to be that, that third striker, that fourth striker off the bench. Um, and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I, I'm not sure what it is. I don't, know, I don't know enough about the Revolution's practice schedules or, uh, you know, their, their preseason games or whatever. I mean, back when Adam Christman was with the team, he was uh, lighting it up during the preseason, had a fantastic uh, – fantastic preseason and then you know scored four goals his rookie year which was good enough to get him mentioned in the rookie of the year candidate talks and and Mansali as well was doing all right um and there was kind of a showdown of who's going to be that third striker you know um and they ended up keeping uh both of them and then last year got rid of Chrisman Mm. I I look at that as a real significant mistake with this team um, I'm not sure if it was because they would have needed to pay Chrisman more money down the road or if they knew that he was injured and was going to require surgery or if um, Adam Chrisman just wasn't happy here. Um, I, I never heard that he wasn't happy here. I'm just wondering why he would uh, why he would trade him to Kansas City for draft picks. You know, I, I think that's a mistake as well, but even so, they, even, even if they had kept Adam Chrisman, I really think they needed to go out find another forward because you're still going into the season with Taylor Twelman injured. You, I mean, as, as I said before, you hope he can play, but you don't know he can play. That's taking a risk. Do you want to go into the season even with Adam Christman as Kelly Dubé and Kelly Dubé as your starting forwards? It doesn't seem to be a combination that's going to strike a lot of fear into opposing defenses. You know, they're serviceable players. They're good you know, MLS-level players, but they're, you, you, wanna, you think you can do a little bit better with this team. I mean, like you mentioned, 2006, if you look at the, bench, the, the depth this team had on the bench, I mean, here they are, and they have, well, of course, Clint Dempsey was injured, so he didn't start, but I mean, we can look at the reverse, you would have Andy Dormer available to come off the bench, that's the guy that can, could have changed the game, you had Jose Cancela that could come off the bench, you know, there's another guy that can really change the game, you know, even Connor Smith even was a guy that was on the bench, you play him, you know, Manu- Jose Manuel Abundas, you know, he scored a couple goals for the Rebs, obviously, you know, wasn't a huge success, but there's a guy with you know, international experience in Mexico, that these are a lot of guys, and Jeff Lerontowitz as well, because then you had Daniel Hernandez. I don't think, certainly I don't think you can say Pat Finley is the equivalent of Daniel Hernandez. But, I mean, looking at that team, there was 
all these guys like really come off the bench and be a game changer. And with these revs, even when everyone's healthy, I don't think they really have that. But I do want to make one point there for you know, frustrated Revolution fans about that 2006 appearance of the last on penalty kicks. It was interesting to see Clint Dempsey step up and take a penalty kick in the Premier League last weekend uh, when he wasn't able to in that cup final and, of course, score in that pressure situation. But you know, <laughs> blame it on the injury. But I just wanted to bring up that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I uh, actually thank Clint very much for that penalty shot because he was the captain of my uh, my EPL fantasy team last week. So, um, it worked out for me, but uh, you know, I wish it was only you know, rewind to 2006. Um, yeah, you know, and it, it really comes when it comes down to it is is do the Rebs have the horses on this roster right now to compete in 2010? I think the answer is no. Absolutely um, not. And, if uh, they if they make no moves. I would be surprised to see them make the playoffs. I mean, even if they manage to keep Jonathan Ronowitz, you know, you can't rely on Steve Rawls, who's not going to come back till you know, who knows when, maybe not until halfway to the season. You know, who knows if and when Taylor will be ready. If, if they make no moves, if, unless they have a miracle, amazing draft and can come up with, you know, the next Parkhurst, Twelman, and Noonan all in one draft, I don't think they'll even make a playoffs next year. No, if they if they go with the if they go with the drafts they've had past years, which haven't been bad, but I mean they're not really finding any goal scorers. You need goal scorers, and I mean, you know, you, you, I think Sean mentioned it earlier. You know, you can't rely on Taylor Chalman to to be to give you thirty games here, or even maybe twenty. Who knows? And um, you know, you need to find goal sco- you need to find goal scorers. And if you don't find goal goal scorers in this draft, or if you don't find them, you know, via international signings or wherever, uh, you know, the, it, this this team will stay lethargic. It, it'll it'll starve for goals and. You'll find, you know, Shari Joseph pushing up like he did this year, and which kind of leaves him really, really, you know, depleted in the in the midfield. And you know, it's it's a situation where they play, you know, they get hot for a little bit, they get cold for a little bit, and it's just there's no consistency. And I think you need for a team to, you know, make it to the playoffs, you know, especially with two new expansion teams next. I mean, with an expansion team next year, and then two more on the horizon, you really, really need those those play those playoff spots become you know more of a premium and you're, you're not going to get into the playoffs I think two or three years from now you're not going to get in the playoffs with the with the season that the Revs had this year yeah, and I think heck it, if, if you lose the, if you lose the Renowitz you know there's one more weapon gone there's a guy that you know, one of the few guys in this team that's a threat from distance you know yep. to draw guys out of the box then the Revs become even more predictable oh, yeah. you, know, you know they're going to the wings you know they're going to try to get the cross and you know because if he's gone you don't really have to push out of the box because nobody's going to be scoring from outside of the box I can't really think of another Threat. I mean, Castro at times. Who knows if he's going to be back too? I mean, I would certainly not be shocked to see him gone. As much as I'd like to see him back, you know, really, I think that is you know a huge loss in itself. Just losing him, you know, to make the offense even more stagnant. Absolutely, and you know, he's been one of my favorite players since uh, the day he started. Um, and you look at what he's been able to do in such a short time. He's he's really you know he owns that position. You know, it is his. He earned it, and uh, the fact that uh, you know we're, he's more than likely going to leave and go someplace else—it's it, it, kind of discouraging. You know, you really wish that you know the league uh, was a bit more mature, where they could make him a huge contract extension. Um, but that's just not the case right now. And I think the the uh, even with the big salary cap, unless I mean, if the salary cap goes through the roof and you know it doubles next year then maybe maybe Jeff gets a big extension and maybe he stays but the way i hear it right now the contract talks aren't that going that great with the between the players union and the owners of MLS um and there's even talk of a strike next year uh which i think would really be crippling to the league um especially when you've got you know these three new teams coming in the next two years and uh guy like Beckham over here, who's who's done just even just him being here has added, you know, put MLS on the map of the, of the uh, uh, back on the map of the soccer world, so to speak. Um, all right, so we've been going on for about an hour, pretty good. Uh, I'm thinking um, let's let's uh, let's give it a, a, a prediction for um, the Revs. Uh, well, we can't really do a prediction for the Revs this season. <laughs> no, it's not going to work. Um, I predict that the Revs will make the playoffs this season and lose to Chicago on uh, a 3-2 aggregate. How's that work? <laughs> um, we've got uh, we've 
let's let's give our give our picks for the the MLS Cup final. Uh, with who makes it in, um, and who meets in the final, and who wins. Go ahead, Brian. Um, well, I'll tell you what I want to see, and I'll tell you what the what MLS wants to see. MLS wants to see Chicago and LA. They want to see two big markets. They want to see Quan Blanco versus David Beckham. What I would like to see is honestly, I'll, I'll take half that equation. I'll take LA and I'll take Real Salt Lake. I would, I think that would be a great matchup. I think you have a team that's as established as LA, and then you have a team that's like you know the up and comer, you know, with Real Salt Lake, and I think uh, that would that would make for a great match. Both are very, both are very attack minded teams, and you know, I think you know as far as a good soccer, I think that's that's what I'd want to see. So I'll I'll call that prediction. Yeah, I um, I'd love to see Real Real Salt Lake make it. If I think if they, uh, I think if Dynamo makes it. Um, and Real Salt Lake make it, then it's got to be the Dynamo because I think uh, um, Dynamo has just got a better um, better defense, I think, down the road. Mm-hmm. It's got a more veteran defense, and you look at the two rookies that are on L.A., uh, yeah, they've, they've done all right. Um, you know, they've got the rookie of the year on that team uh, in Omar Gonzalez. I think uh, in the end, though, it, you know, the veteran, uh, the veteran presence on the um, – Despite Jeff Cameron, who's uh, you know native New Englander, we should, we should not forget to mention Jeff Cameron uh, on Houston Dynamo. Um, I think that the, the Dynamo's defense is, is stronger in the end, and I think the Dynamo might actually hold hold off. Um, if it's Dynamo versus Real, I pick Dynamo. Um, I really think Real Salt Lake is gonna is gonna burn Chicago. I really do. I just have this feeling, I, and I, I really want Chicago to lose. I don't know if it's just me hating hating on Chicago, but uh, I think I think that that's that's going to be the finalists is Chicago. Uh, I'm rather Real Salt Lake um, versus I, I really think it's going to be Dynamo, Houston and Real Salt Lake, and I think Dynamo wins. Um, but if it's L.A., I think Real Salt Lake has a chance. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Well, I certainly agree with Brian that the marquee matchup, for as far as the league is concerned, would have to be L.A. and Chicago. Um, certainly with the star of David Beckham on Chicago and then with on, on LA and Blanco on Chicago, especially in Blanco's last year, that that would be the you know the huge matchup for the league. However, I, I agree with you. I think that LA has shown some weaknesses in this playoffs. I think Geo's exposed them a lot. I think they made some you know ridiculous mistakes in that first game, especially. Um, and I think Houston got more experience. I mean, obviously LA's got Bruce Arena. You can't really find a more experienced coach than that. But I think we've still seen mistakes from LA. Uh, like you said, Omar Gonzalez, rookie of the year on LA's back line, but he, he looked shaky in this in this postseason. I think we saw from Alston and Barnes, you know, it's too late now to give him rookie of the year, but I think that they looked a lot more solid in the postseason, didn't look as shaky as Gonzalez has looked. Uh, obviously, as they go further into the playoffs, you know, he's got more experience, but I agree with you. I think Houston um, will come away with a win against LA, but I think that's going to be an incredible match tomorrow night between those two teams because I think they, they're both capable of playing some great soccer. We know Houston's got an amazing defense. You know, LA's attack this year has been outstanding, and their defense has been you know, more than solid, too. Um, certainly, they've only allowed 31 goals um, but with, with a very dynamic attack. But I do think that Houston will come away from that one. You know, Chicago-Salt Lake is a tough one to predict. Um, Salt Lake, throughout the season, has put on some great results, played some you know, fantastic soccer to watch. And we saw it against the Revs and what their six to one victory over the Revolution, you know, earlier in the season. You know, hate to re- remind people of that, but <laughs> they have played some great soccer this season. You know, they played bad soccer this season. <laughs> oh, I, throw, I, I think you're right. I think it was six nothing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, they've played some great soccer. They've played some you know, lousy games as well. Um, you can't say for sure which team will show up, but if they come out against Chicago and play what they're capable of, I think it's going to win because you know Chicago beat the Revs, but. I'm still not that impressed with Chicago and how they performed at the end of the year. Um, I, I think they're. I think Blanco slowed down a lot. I don't think he's the same player he used to be. You know, I don't think you can rely on him to set up your attack. I think Brian McBride, you know, towards the end of the year, has tailed off. You know, I didn't think he looked too dangerous against the Revs. You know, to the point where you hate to see him get injured. But you know, I almost thought that Chicago was better off than the Arco on the field at that point. And I think you know, he ended up being a key to the to the winning goal there. So I, I think that Salt Lake has the players capable of being Chicago. You know, maybe they do. You know, if they do end up going against Houston, I agree that you know they they can't really beat Houston. However, we saw last year Salt Lake went on a run in the playoffs, but then lost the Red Bulls you know, at home. So you know maybe they've learned from that experience. Maybe they haven't. Um, 
I'll go in and say Salt Lake wins, but I'm not too confident on that one. And certainly a Salt Lake Houston Cup final for me would be would be you know very exciting one to watch two teams that play great soccer are capable of playing great soccer. Um, but obviously, as I mentioned, the, the exact opposite is probably what would be draw more viewers view the league. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hey, hey guys, I actually had a bow, bow out. I got I got work in the morning. Yep. But I just, yep. I just we have to wrap it thanks. up anyway. So thank you, Brian, and uh, thank you, Sean. We're going to wrap it up right here. Um, it's been great, and we should definitely do it again sometime. And uh, you know, let's uh, let's try to do uh, something in the preseason when we finally figure out what's going on with the Revolution, and maybe we can give some predictions uh, for for the next season at that point. So yeah, look um, forward to it. All right, guys. Hey, thanks again, everyone, and uh, you know, we'll get this out on the podcast real soon. And uh, you missed the Ustream; it'll be out there. So great. Um, We'll uh, catch you guys next time. Thanks a lot for listening.